0: Heart on the Mic is an audio journal podcast where I share about my experiences, ambitions, motherhood, and everything in between. Through this podcast, I hope to bring insight, encourage, and empower you as you are on the pursuit of your very own heart's desires. Hi guys, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Heart on the Mic. I am just filled with so much joy (laughs) just to be sitting here today with our guest. Her name is Sarah. What's your last name? but you can call me valentine (laughs) okay i was like i've never heard that one okay sarah valentine and i asked her to come on today because she is just a clear testament of how god can transform someone's life and we were just talking here before we started recording about where i've seen her the last time and uh, she wasn't in a good place (laughs) she was running the streets and just up to no good but what does that look like
1: what is What did that look like for you? Interesting question. I don't even know how to interpret it, you know? Like, you just... Who were you at that time? Oh, I was definitely a lost cause, for sure. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Um, I went by Wadita. Everybody knew me as Wadita. I was legit a rebel without a cause, but I thought I had a cause, you know? Like, I thought there was so much purpose in what I was doing, being a thug, you know, and, like, I thought I should take a stand for what I believed in at that time, was to be true and real and just be part of that unseen community, you know, and let your voice be known, and I don't know, I I can't really explain it, like, what it looks like, you know, just, you grow up like that, you know, you just... I have family members that I grew up with where we all grew up together, but then They were taken away because they know what it's like to grow up in Westminster, but we stayed. Obviously, we didn't, like, Mm. my mom wasn't going to leave, you know, so just right there on Main Street in the heart of the neighborhood, and Sickler Park was my backyard, and that's where I spent most of my days. (laughs) Fun times, good times, you know, but a lot of it came with uh, a lot of sin, but, I mean, there were, like, other things that took place, you know, like, at home and stuff that, Cause, like, that pretty much drove me there, you know, because, I mean, I don't know, I just remember my, my mom, because she, she was an addict, too, you know? She was a math addict, and she always had, like, certain cousins from the neighborhood, and they would be in the kitchen getting high, and, like, I'm, like, seven, and I'm, like, trying to peek, and I'm, like, oh, what's going on in there? And it, I was never, like, allowed to see it, but I was allowed to see it, so... I don't know.
0: It was in your home, but you were supposed to go to your room or something?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, okay, I don't know, I just remember, like, always wanting to be around her, and she was always out doing her thing, so, um, eventually, I just went with her to go do her thing, and, yeah, I don't know, it included a lot of, like, dumpster diving. (laughs) Wow. Um, just going to her friend's house, you know, take your spots, and. Yeah, I just remember, like, going dumpster diving with her at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, Mom, i have school at 8. And like, she's like, okay, we're going. There was times where she would, like, try to ask me to help her and stuff. But I was like... It's a no for yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I'm like, no, Doug, you got this. Like, I'll take whatever you get, you know. But um, she's like, oh, isn't this cute? I'm like, yeah, sure. She would just do that. Because I, mean, I think she was just on one, you oh, know. Wow. Like yeah, I think when you're on one, you just you just do stuff that doesn't really make sense. But I mean, how did you know.
0: interpret those things as a kid? Though, did you know that it was just like so far off? No, or did it seem normal to I, yeah, you? Yeah, she
1: was just my mom. You know, like there were times where I would like try to wake her up. I never knew what it was that caused her to be like this I just thought that's how my mom was like you know where she'd be sleeping for like days at a time and sometimes I would like think she was dead so I would like try to wake her up you know and like kind of freak out as a little girl and then like if you wake her it's like you woke a beast or something and just like you don't want to wake a tweaker if they haven't fully slept it off yet wow because yeah I don't know yeah I don't have you
0: Been like exposed to honestly, not really. Okay, we had people live with us and in and out of our house, so we had people, we had family members come to our house to come down basically. But oh, okay, yeah, it was like, Hey, I want to get my Uh life clean, pastor, so Mm, can I come stay with you? And it was my dad giving them that opportunity to have somewhere to stay. And then yeah. by the time they came down and had a, a week or two in, they're just like, I'm not ready to commit and to devote my life to yeah. this life, which is serving God and committing to being in community and in fellowship. So, but to see that stuff, no, my mom and dad protected us mm-hmm. from yeah. it going
1: on around us. Yeah. Praise the Lord for that. Cause it, it is, it is very traumatic, I think, going through it as a child and then, I mean, I always said I was never going to do it, and my dad was, like, very aggressive to growing up, so he, in for whatever reason, he just always wanted to try to, like, emancipate me. Since I was 11, I think was, like, the first time I remember him trying to, like, tell me, like, okay, well, here's my wallet, I'm going to go drop you off on chestnut, and you can go wherever you want and do whatever you want. You can belong to the government. I don't care. And it was over, like, the most petty stuff, too, like not knowing how to do my homework or whatever. So school went downhill for me, too. There's, like, so much that goes into the background of me ending up in the streets, you know, and or kicking it in the streets before I officially ended up in the streets. Going to the park, you meet everybody that goes there like not only are you related by blood or through marriage but it's a neighborhood thing you know and there were times where like my mom was supposed to pick me up from school and she was just nowhere to be found and I'd have certain cousins and stuff that would come pick me up you know and then we're walking and all of a sudden there's somebody from enemy territory on our territory and it's just like you know guns start blasting and I'm just like okay this is just another Tuesday you know (laughs) like Like how
0: old were you at that time um
1: at that time I want to say I was like 13 I think 13 or 14 but I feel like there's so much that goes into it you know like like
0: just from hearing what you've already said it definitely leads my thoughts to saying there was a lot of searching at such a young age like looking for your mom like your dad sending you to the streets it's you trying to find where you belonged or to find somewhere oh, yeah. to to be heard out whatever it may be
1: yeah i found that with other people who were dealing with the same stuff you know like people who i was connected to already you know kicking it at the park it was so much easier to just get along with everyone cuz you know when you come from the struggle you know what the struggle looks like and everyone else is struggling there too that's like but like not even just a way of an escape it was like home this is where I'm gonna go when I get out of school this is where actually I'm not even gonna go to school today because what's the point at this point I suck at it Like teachers keep tossing me back and forth so it's like it's a lot of yeah I I didn't I never thought about it that way like searching and stuff I was just doing yeah You know, I was never really, like, looking for anything in particular. But there was this one night where even though, you know, dope had always been, like, offered to me or done in front of me, I never wanted anything to do with it because of how I grew up with my mom. And I just remember one night my dad and I got into it really bad, and he sent me out again. And that night I was like, okay, I want to trip out. I just want to see something. I just want to not be out here by myself with like nothing so then I asked for it and of course when I asked for it nobody wanted to give it to me but I still got it because I do what I want when I want and that was how I live my life and yeah there was (laughs) literally no stopping me from doing anything I ever wanted to do except for like I feel like saying that in hood terms versus like what people in the world view as successful terms is completely different you know Yeah. Because they're like, oh, you can do anything you put your mind to. And I'm like, I know. But this is what I know to put my mind to. This is what, these are the options that have been laid out for me to choose from. You know, I've never seen, like, what the options for success looks like. They always would ask, like, what's your goal in life? What's your this? What's your five-year plan? I'm like, first of all, even if I had, like, a five-minute plan, it's probably not going to happen because – like the next five minutes who knows what's going to happen especially when you live a life of you never know what's going to happen you know but I'm thankful though because like I never had a goal before in my whole life and they would always ask that question it really bothered me because I'm like how am I supposed to find this goal like what <laughs> what goal there's the whole world out there but I think when I when I met the Lord I found out that my goal is to press on towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus and to lay a hold of that which he has laid a hold of for me. That's my goal, and I never had one until I got saved, so... Without structure,
0: clearly, in your <laughs>
1: life, how,
0: obviously, Holy Spirit, but how was it, and what did it look like to actually turn your life around and to have that discipline?
1: Oh, um, hmm, that's actually a really good question, and I'm glad you asked because... There's, for me, I know for a fact there was no turning my life around. Uh, there was such a, a series of events that had taken place, like, you know, years of abuse, like, physically, sexually. You know, I was sexually abused from when I was, like, 7 until I was 10 by my uncle, who was like my best friend at that time too. And like, you know, where things were not good at home, I would just always go to my aunt and uncle's house. And he was like my favorite person growing up because he just really helped me to get my mind off of everything. And he was just so much fun and he was just always there for us. Like even when I would get in fights, at one point I had gotten jumped and like all this stuff, like he was just like the first person I'd call, even though he was doing those things to me at nighttime. And then, like, during the daytime, it's, like, he was a different person. So, I don't know. But then I was also exposed to, it's, like, double standards plus manipulation plus deception plus just pure evil. Yeah. (laughs) You know, for uh, him to look me in my eyes when stuff like that had come out in the open and be, like, man, can you believe what they are doing to me, what they did to me? And I'm, like, bro, like, yo, you're talking to, like, I'm, you know, I was, hmm, like, how do you want... I'm not going to respond to this. Yeah. How does (laughs) he expect you to respond knowing
0: that you were I was the one who was doing it (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: um, Yeah, there was that. And then, like, my mom too. And we would be getting high, you know, like, on meth and, like... So you ended up starting to get high with your mom. um, I would be high and she would be high, but we wouldn't get high. I would get high in front of her because I'm like, you're the one hiding it, you know? Like, I'm not going to hide who I am or what I do, like... I just didn't see the point in that. It bothered me that she did, you know? Because I felt like she lived a double life. She would, like, if anybody, like, were to know who she was from church, like, she wasn't, like, a church girl or anything, you know? She just, like, would go and help or something. She's just very helpful, you know? Like, even She's still to this day. She is, yeah. Um, but I feel like if you were to talk about who she was outside of church, to people at church, you'd be like, oh, what, Lindy? No, no, not Lindy, like... You know, and even people I grew up with, like, that know her, they're like, oh, yeah, I love your mom, love your mom. I'm like, okay. (laughs) just not going to say anything because y'all don't know her. (laughs) Oh, wow. You know? And then, like, people in the streets, if they were to know, like, how she was at church and stuff, like, they'd be like, no, I know Lindy. Like, no, that's not,
0: like. So it irked you by the fact that she was so slick at living a double
1: life yeah dude she she was <laughs> <laughs> she was she was with it in that way she literally like taught me how to lie how to steal like how to get away with stuff you know like legit taught me like with her words and actions you know and by observing her i kind of like learned better not to like my loved ones and stuff like that but like you know when it came to like getting involved with the police and stuff or just any kind of trouble i would just somehow by the grace of God, I know not today, but at that point, like, I would just always find a way out of it, but I was, like, bad towards her, like, I would, okay, tweaker, you know, like, shut up, tweaker, and, like, my mouth towards her was, like, very, like, you had no respect. No, oh, definitely not. No, I didn't, I didn't have respect for anybody who was fake like that. I don't know, I always called it like it was, and I think that's why my dad had a lot of problems with me, too, just because, like, I would just speak out on stuff. A lot of things that didn't, make sense to me and I'm just like, okay, like let's make this make sense, you know? Like so I would speak on it and just I'm the bad guy for speaking truth, you know. And I thought that was funny, you know, I did. I, I always thought that was funny and I don't know, but she would do that whole gaslighting thing too where like you know, I would say, okay, tweak her. And she would, like, look at me dead in my eyes, like, all scary and demonic and stuff, and be like, I don't do drugs, Sarah. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> wow. you tripping. Like, okay, all right, we want to play that. All right, cool, yeah. Like, I already know the truth, so you can't pull one up on me, so whatever. So seeing all that led you to be an open
0: book about yeah. doing what you did, like, yeah. unashamed about doing your yeah. thing and stuff
1: like that. And at that point, too, it's like, well, who is this next person to have an opinion or have any say so on what i'm doing when they don't know who i am they don't know what i've been through that whole you know cliche but it's not cliche at the time when you're going through it it's like you really don't know what i'm dealing with you really don't know what i'm going through but yet you have an opinion about it like you don't know what goes on behind closed doors in people's lives like yeah why are you speaking like you do why are you accusing them of stuff why are you judging them and based on their actions you know like like Tupac said, you know, like they don't know the struggle; they only see the trouble, not knowing it's hard to carry on when no one loves you, you know. And I just felt like at that time, like I just, I really did not care, like, and if, I mean, I know we we hung out like a few times and stuff, like back then, but I feel like even even that was like a little bit more censored, you know, like than who I was when we're not going to How the West Was Won or a barbecue, barbecue. yeah, you know, at at Mile Square, you know. I don't know if you saw me at Sigler, it's I don't know. No, I knew, but I didn't know,
0: you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, I knew that, like, oh, yeah, Sarah, you know, she... If you need to get something done, she's there. If you need to yeah. be taken somewhere, she's down. Like, I knew oh, that of you, but... That's
1: cool. I like I didn't that. Ask. <laughs> I like that. I do, because, you know, I want to be there for people, because some people don't have nobody there for them. That was for sure me a lot. And back to your question and stuff, like, pretty much, there was no saving me. There was never going to be a moment where I was going to just open my eyes miraculously and all of a sudden think, like, hey, I need to do something different with my life, because this isn't working that was never going to happen like I just want to make sure that if there's one thing clear that that's clear because there was I was literally a dead girl walking for the longest time and I thought that my life was never going to change and you know I remember talking to Papa my cousin rest in peace about like how he does it because you know he was somebody that was very well respected in the neighborhood but he just had so much heart for everybody at one point my cousin had said I could stay on his couch if I got clean, but I already knew there was no being clean for me, and that's just how I lived my life. It wasn't like, oh, I have to have this, but, like, I had to have it, you know? I had to have the dope. I had to have my weed my cigarettes. Like, that was my lifeline at that time. It was my source of peace, comfort, just to help me get through the next day. But, yeah, there was never a moment in my life where I ever thought, like, oh, I need to change my my life around. And eventually I did... I think I got in, like, my first real relationship when I was, like, 15, and um, I actually took off to Texas when I was 16. Like, things were getting, like, really bad for me at 16, and I needed to get out of Westminster for a little bit. Not that I thought, like, oh, my life needs to change, but I just thought, like, yeah, I think, you know, he had, he had to go to Texas at that time, and because he was getting kicked out of his sister's house his dad had killed his mom and she he had like a boyfriend or <laughs> sorry a girlfriend like two weeks later and uh he used to beat my ex and his brother with like pots pans anything anything he get and, his hands on. yeah pretty much you know and like he would shove cocaine up their noses at like age five and seven he was five his brother was seven and so they were a hot mess too growing up and so for him that's what love was and I know that anybody who knew him at the time when we were kicking it at the park was just where I met him. He was, like, from L.A. and stuff, but I was attracted to him because I'm like, oh, this falls down, you know, like, way more down than, like, some of my homies, and I feel bad for saying that, but it's just what it was. It was crazy, <laughs> you know? I was like, I always wanted to be with someone who was crazier than me, but you gotta be careful, though, because... Yeah, like when love gets involved with craziness and like I'm out here fighting everyone and he's out here fighting everyone.
0: We're going to fight each other. Yeah, we
1: went to Texas and that's pretty much what we did. And I mean, it it took some time for us to get there. We were play fighting one day and then all of a sudden like, I can't even remember which one of us took it too far. But from there, it like set off and eventually like (laughs) tried to like kill me and stuff. But even then, I remember like the Lord's hand being upon me there too because he had like taken a knife to my neck, and I remember his knife. It definitely worked, like, you know. And uh, he tried to like slice my throat, but like he went to slice it, but like nothing happened. Like, I was like, what the heck, you know? And like he tried, like, he tried to, like stab me and stuff, but it was like it, as if it was as if it all of a sudden just became a play knife, and like it like just the like blade wasn't in. there. Yeah, like I was like, what the heck? So it tripped me out. And he was like, wait here, I have to go pee. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I'm out, (laughs) you know, like I'm not going to wait here. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) I'm like, no, because at this point, it's going to be my life or your life. And I don't want to kill you. And I know that you don't want to kill me, but he thought I did something that I didn't do. And when you're convinced of like, you know, nobody can pull a fast one on you. Sometimes you'd be thinking people are trying to pull fast one when they're not. And I understand how deep those trust issues can go. I mean, I was innocent of what he was accusing me of. I mean, I'll always have love for him in my heart. And I pray for him all the time, you know. But, like, I mean, he's busted anyways. He's not going to get out until 2053 for an attempted murder on someone else. Like, Wow. So, yeah, I eventually um, came back to California. And I think at this point I was like, How not- did he yeah. just
0: breeze over that? How did coming back to California look like in such distress? Did you just get a train ticket? Did you call somebody? Did you drive? Did you just have and leave from one day to the
1: next? Well, so my friend, praise the Lord, her name was Ruby, and I remember her from um, freshman year in high school at Westminster. And that was, like, the only year I went to Westminster. We we would always call her mom. You know, my homegirls would call her mom because she'd always be like, you guys, don't do drugs. Go to school and go to church and do all this stuff. And we're like, yeah, okay, Mom, you know, like, whatever, Mom. And um, she had actually moved to Texas at that time, so I contacted her, and I hit her up, and her dad actually paid $300 for a taxi for me to get to their place, and then I eventually came back, like, a week later. I, we took, I took the the Greyhound, you know, we, went there with like a 22 Jennings 22 in my chest I had it in my bra and like fat sack of dope fat sack of bud. because they had like boo-boo stuff out there you know I was like not trying to smoke their stuff but eventually you know you're smoking seeds and stems at one point and just what it was but there was just like a lot of stuff that went down there in Texas but like I think at This point, like you were saying, it's clear I didn't have structure, and I didn't know what to do. And even being out there, you know, when I would like leave the house because things were so bad between him and I, it's like everywhere I went, everywhere I turned to anything, I would like if I was like to try to find or look for any kind of help, it was always I was always met with like a worse scenario, like trying to escape from my mom and dad, you know, going into the hands of my uncle, going from there into the hands of my now ex from like years ago um it just always things always got worse but there was this um lady and she was pulling out i went up the strip on in fort worth i think it was like saginaw street or something and um i was looking for a cigarette because i didn't have you know anything anything. with you yeah and i was like oh i really need to bum a cigarette from one of these guys out here you know like somebody out here and this girl she was pulling out and of her apartment complex and i was like I see her lighting something, you know. I was like, oh, do you have an extra cigarette? And she's like, oh, this saying a cigarette, sweetie. And I was like, okay, you know. She's like, you want to get in? And I was like, yeah. Like, I mean, I used to get in people's cars all the time because my mom would try to, like, she would tell us, oh, I'm, you know, 10 minutes around the corner. I'm, I'm 10 minutes away. I'm five minutes here. Five minutes. And it's, like, two hours later, and, like, no, she's not showed up yet, you know. So when I w- would find myself in dangerous situations with strangers and stuff, like, they really did underestimate me, like you know, and underestimate they like I feel like looking at me, you wouldn't think like, oh, this girl can handle herself, you know, and unfortunately, for other people at that time in my life when I was active in that way, like um yeah, it didn't really go over very well for them, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know, worked out my favor, and the Lord really protected me you know and I I'm thankful though for everything that I've been through because like just like I don't know there's a verse in the in the bible where it talks about where David talks about like oh lord like you know you have prepared you have prepared my hands for war and my fist for battle you know And, and going through what I went through with my uncle going through like all the aggressiveness with my dad like you know and just like the lies that my mom would tell me and um being able to see through people's you know bs back then and like just always having to put my fist up especially with my ex like we would go toe-to-toe like multiple times a day you know and out here he never lost a fight like we, and that helped me you know be skilled in how I fought too especially when it came to guys because I had to eventually you know he wasn't the only dude I was out there fighting to where if a girl wanted to fight me I would I w- for her man <laughs> <laughs> pretty much no i wasn't gonna ask. i didn't want to ask for it you know like I'm, I'm i would i would ask them like please like i don't want to fight you like i didn't want to fight half the people i fought anyways you know but like because of how these girls presented themselves and the kind of name that they gave for my homies and my my family and stuff like it it bothered me and yeah. not only that like there was an interactions that I had on my own where these girls would be like oh you're so and so's cousin or you're so so you got a problem with me like let's go <laughs> like why are you what you scared because I'm related to somebody like but you have an issue with me so like let's take care of that you know like like if I, I'm I'm on my own, like, you know, yeah, those are my homies, and yeah, that's my family, but, like, if you have a problem with me, then I, if I had a problem with somebody, I don't care who they're running with or what they're doing, like, you know, and we were going to take care of it in that way that I knew how to, like, let's go take a walk or let's do this right here or whatever, you know? Nobody wants to be told let's go take a walk. <laughs> no, no, they really didn't. They already knew what was up, and, I mean, we had that plenty of times, whether it was in the handball courts at a car show or – Because there was a car show, I would say, like, oh, let's go take a walk. And, you know, everybody knew what What that means. Yeah, you know, (laughs) like, it's like, okay. Yeah, we're just going to go talk. As you put your hair up. Yeah, (laughs) take my hoops off. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Yeah, I don't know. But um, I, I didn't know that there was... A different way you know I did go to church growing up a little bit I did go to private school growing up when I was in elementary for those few beginning years of my life but nothing that I was learning at that school was anything that looked like what I went home to yeah you know so I really did grow up with this understanding of don't try to tell me about how good this God is mm. you know don't talk to me about this God of love and this God of grace and this God of mercy and this God of forgiveness. But at the same time, I did have a love and appreciation for nature. They kind of give you this watered down version of what the gospel is when you're a kid. And they have these cute little stories and color books for Noah and the ark and, you know, this like cute little family up on this big boat and stuff. And they, um, they want to paint it like if it's like a pretty little picture of, you know, this cute family with all these animals and everyone's happy. But it's like, you know, growing up and then finally meeting the Lord for myself while I was in the streets, I didn't have people coming up. I mean, we had like feeding the lost sheep that would come up on Tuesday nights at the park. But every time somebody would come up and try to share Jesus with us, I would legit blow my smoke in their face because it would piss me off. I'm like, stop coming around and trying to feed us this false hope. It would really, really, really...
0: Upset you. Yeah.
1: Like, I was mad because I'm like, you don't know what what goes on out here. You know, you don't know what we're dealing with. You don't, like... Like, we don't have people out here. The only people we have is each other and this dope right here, and that's what I'm going to get high on. So if you don't mind, you know, like, I'm going to blow my smoke in your face. like. And what,
0: from the series of events, led
1: you to where you are now? Yeah, there was a lot, actually. Um, at one point... Did I say I'm done? But I was done. Like that. I you were have done to speak, in a different way. I Yeah, I have to speak on what I was done with, really, because like what I was done with was this whole new world that I had been exposed to. Yeah. So I had gotten arrested. I violated a domestic restraining order. I was so mad about how I was treated at home, and you know the lies they try to like. I don't know. Like my dad would like ask my sisters and stuff like. To do stuff like right in front of me without asking me or just I was just for some reason like his sworn enemy and I was the root of all his problems and I just thought it was so funny. I knew I had to understand at some point and know for myself that I was not his problem, you know, even though he really, really took all his anger out on me like all the time. To him, I was the root of all his problems. We joke about it now a little bit, even though I know there's still a little bit of truth in that to him. But, I mean, thank God that I couldn't even talk to him now, you know, or be under the same roof as him now. Yeah, I remember I just was so upset. I drove my car through the garage door. I broke their windows. I just went ham on that house. And pretty sure at one point, I did, I told him, I'm like, like, if you don't knock it off, I'm a legit, like, burn your house like I will burn this thing to the ground like you want to keep kicking me out and you want to keep tossing me out like I'm trash and I'm not his daughter and I'm this and I'm that and he was just like mean you know like he he loves to make sure that like if he's gonna come for me he's gonna come for me and he's gonna let me feel it like for no reason too I'm just like bro you got issues dog
0: like I went. think when we seen each other last, it had to be around that time because I remember you saying something about not being able to go to your parents' house.
1: Probably, yeah, yeah. He had a restraining order on me, a domestic restraining order on me, but he attacked me, and I defended myself. It was the first time that I legit defended myself from him, and I just went ham on him. And at this point in my life, I'm 22, and at this point, I started to black out in the fights that I would get into. I did not know what was happening. I I remember it had been actually, like, a week after that night that my dad and I had gotten into it, um, where he, he came for me. He punctured my ribs, and he messed up my neck real bad. And and at that point, I was trying to tell him, like, you're hurting me, you're hurting me, because I didn't want to fight him, you know? and Because that's my dad, you know, I wanted to respect him and stuff. But, like, just, like, the level of disrespect he had towards me, I just snapped yeah you know I'm like okay all right here we go like now you're gonna get what everyone else gets and it's not because I want to it's because I'm you're hurting me like and people don't just hurt me like that without me defending myself you know and I don't know what happened but I guess I I messed him up pretty bad You know and it's not like I wanted to mess my dad up you know like he was just just all the rage that finally came yeah then even then like you know the police officer that came like he had his hand on my chest and I I was so pissed Vanessa I was like bro I said take your badge off and fight you want to put your hands on me like that like let's go like you know I was mad I remember spitting on him and just like I just was so tired of people touching me like you know, like, well, why is this You were keep- done. Yeah, I was like... <laughs> you know, but at the same time, even though I was like that, I know that everybody I was kicking it with, like, my family and homies and stuff, like, they would always tell me, you're too nice. Like, you're too nice. Because I really did try to be nice to everybody. Like, I I just was nice to everyone. Like, if I got it, you got it. And, like... um that's just how I was, and, like, I want to be there for people, you know, even back then, like, you know, but they would always tell me, like, careful, you know, being too nice will get you killed, and that would really bother me, because I'm, like, why is it so bad for people to be nice, Mm. like, you know what, what's the problem with that, so then it would (laughs) make me angry, (laughs) because you
0: couldn't be kind, yeah, (laughs) it's just, like, (laughs) you're being told about
1: how bad it is to be good, yeah, and I'm, like, You know, that really bothered me, but it took time for me to finally be like, okay, well, all right, then no more Mrs. Nice Girl. And you think, like, that was bad. When I finally convinced myself no more Mrs. Nice Girl, I really let loose and just, I was just like a monster, you know? Like, I just became pure evil. You know, if anyone was to call me the B word, if they were to call me out on how I was acting, like, I made sure to let them know, no, I'm an evil B. Yeah, I wanted them to know at this point, like, you know, this is who I am now. Like, this is what it is. And if you want to be cool with me, great. I would love that because that's what I want. But if you want even, like, one little part of this evil bee, like, then that's what we're going for. I definitely know now that it was, like, just demonic, you know. And so at this point, I had gotten out of jail, and I ran into this homegirl of mine. Her name was Gloria that I used to run amok with. When I was, like, 14, 15, and you know, we used to, like, panhandle and stuff. We were those, like, stupid girls who would just go around and be like, oh, do you have a dollar, do you have five bucks, make up some foo-foo story about how I need to get to Costa Mesa and I need to get a bus pass and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know, some people fell for it, some people didn't. Like, some people saw straight through me or... They obviously use that one because when I got out of that lifestyle, I have had many people coming up for me, coming up to me for money for a bus pass. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, let's talk about this. You know, do you know Where who Jesus is? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's always, do you know who Jesus is now? Because he is the way, the truth, and life. And no man comes to the Father except through him, you know? But um, yeah, so just like this whole series of events. But then this part, Right here where I, I ran into Gloria after like, phew, like 15, 22, help, seven years. Seven years. Yeah, I hadn't seen her in like seven years. And apparently she was busted at the same time I was. And I remember before I had seen her, the last time that I had seen her at, at that time, um, she had already kind of like lost it a little bit. And I was like, hmm, I didn't know what she was up to or what she was on at that point. But she wasn't herself anymore. Like, we would always get high together, like, on meth, you know, or, like, you know, sometimes we would mix black with it. But, like, um, but she wasn't herself, you know. And I didn't know what happened. But, anyway, she got in the car, and she was, like, talking to me kind of funny. And I was, like, what the heck, like, you know, like, how you been, blah, blah, blah. And we were talking about how we were busted together. She had, like, this word for me. Wherever you're going, be careful. Take your time. Slow down. But she was, like, telling me in a way, like, she was warning me about something, you know? And I was like, well, what's up, you know? And she was like, I can't tell you. I was like, well, get out of my car. You know, I'll figure it out. When she left, Vanessa, like, everything changed. Like, I can't really explain it. Like, like the the, the ambiance of a, of a normal day changed. Hmm. Like, everything became supernatural you know and all of a sudden I'm hearing helicopters and 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 motorcycles and ambulance like like I never heard it before in all the years that I've been using dope from the time I was like 14 you know up even until through this time like nothing like this has ever happened to me and you know I think about all the years my mom's been doing dope where other homies have been doing dope, like older homies, you know, who've been just—that's their life, you know. Nothing like that ever really happened, or that I heard of. But like, if you end up like this, that person's not coming back. Most people don't come back from when they go on a bad trip. I knew I wasn't on a bad trip. I was being exposed to something. Satan was cast out of heaven, and you know, a third of the angels fell with him, like they were sent to earth. I trip out on all this stuff and like how this, how these basic things that I learned as a little girl, like, could this be real? Yeah. You know, like, what is it if it's real? And let me just tell you, it's so much more real than a Sunday school service. Is so much more real than a coloring book of Noah and his happy little family. Like, no, when you read the Bible, you read the scriptures. Like, Noah became a drunk after that. Like, he didn't even know how to handle that situation. Like, why are there not pictures of people pounding on the door with tears coming down a, out of their eyes, praying for their life because they want a second chance when they had over 120 years of chances to to repent and come to to faith. Like he had been working on it, and they laughed at him, you know, they made fun of him, there's no pictures of that, there's no real stories that are being taught to these youngsters and the young kids, like, so I love that I went through so much lies, and, you know, a bunch of fool of it in life, because it's like, you know, now, now that I'm saved, and now that I know the truth, I want to speak the truth to even the youngsters, like, they need to know, everybody needs to know the truth about God, and all this stuff was happening, and eventually, I'm, I'm, legit like just seeing stuff at this point and but the stuff was like real like stuff that you see in movies you know like on like the grudge or uh i don't know if you ever seen the exorcism of emily rose but like i don't watch those movies lord (laughs) knows like i was just telling someone that the other day because they were talking about like
0: sleep paralysis and stuff like that i'm like lord you know i can't handle that kind of stuff like i've i had experienced like one time with Mm. that kind of that depth but thank you, Jesus, I've, I have. Yeah, <laughs> I don't girl, he's protected it. you. Yeah.
1: you know? I'm glad that, you know, I didn't deal with much protection, except for I knew that the Lord was protecting me all these years, you know, because like, I mean, there's so much I'm not talking about. You
0: mentioned that your dad was trying to emancipate you at such a young age.
1: Yeah. When did
0: that finally happen? Like, when did you finally get,
1: um, I feel like it, out of your house? Yeah, no, it never, it never was like an official, like documented thing. It was just like, even since then I would be, I would run away.
0: How young were you when it started that you just finally were just in and out of the house or was it just at that age?
1: Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Because I would just, I mean, even though I didn't really know where to go or have the resources that I had at eventually at some points, I would literally just go up the block and just like, you know, cry or just like, you know, just like sit there and try to ponder on like, why am I pouring my heart out to this guy who like so set on misunderstanding me and twisting my words and using them against me at such a young age he was very vile with his words you know like very very abusive with his words and his hands at many times too you know like choke holds my arms would be purple and blue and stuff like I'm like okay well you know and I thought that you know it's because that's what I deserved you know and I thought that that's because he's my dad and like he could treat me like this and you know like whatever and Yeah, but definitely always try to, like, escape for a safety net or just for a breath of fresh air, like, just to get out and, like, breathe, you know, because, yeah, I just didn't want to, like, live like that, and there were times where I didn't go to school the next day because that's what was happening at nighttime, and I really didn't think that my life was anything different than the other kids I was going to school with, you know, like, um, I thought everybody had issues, so I just would leave, and I would just, like, hang out on Main Street or chestnut or sometimes i would find myself at the park but there was definitely always like those random creeps you know i'm <laughs> driving around westminster and um i had a best friend for the longest time she'll always be my best friend she passed away in 2010 but um her name was eileen when i was 15 she and i just like were like knit together we were like inseparable and she helped me to learn how to like navigate through my defending process you know like Because her dad, you know, they would literally pay us if we got in fights with other people and stuff. Like, oh, did you win? Here's five bucks for the effort anyways. Like, we're like, okay. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. And I think when I was 15, I had gotten on probation too for assault and battery with a couple of my other friends. And I made sure that Eileen's name was out of it because they had already had the other girls' names. And I didn't know at the time that I could have been like, no, they weren't there either. Like, I would just, I didn't know how the system worked at that time, you know. Um, But now I I know. (laughs) I remember the first time that he had kicked me out again. Um, it's because I opened the window after he closed it, because it was hot in the room, you know. And it's my house, my room, my window. If I close it, you keep it closed. And da da da. And I'm like, oh, it's hot in here, <laughs> you know. Something like that simple. So it's just like, get out of here. I'm like, okay, I'm gladly. I will gladly leave. I'm. I was so tired of like being talked to and yelled at like that for like what for opening a window like that's so crazy to me like you know it's so crazy to me with what happened growing up when I was younger I know that people who are sexually abused they either like have a very sexual lifestyle or like no sexual lifestyle at all and um mine just so happened to be very sexual and uh, especially with my ex and like Like, we would, like, fight all day and then make up all day, if you know what I mean. (laughs) But I also wasn't the type to just give myself up to anyone at any point. You know, like, I had to know you. It wasn't, like, what I lived for, you know. I lived to get high, to be honest with you. I lived for peace. I I just wanted, like, to be left alone. And if you were going to disrupt my peace, then I didn't really care to have you around And you You were like that bear, like your mom, when you woke her up. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, you know, (laughs) pretty much. I'm like, okay, now I understand, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But um, uh, eventually, though, I did have that where I just had opened myself up to so many different guys who did have apparently some interest in me with all of that being said. Like I said before, there was no changing my life. There was no getting out of that lifestyle. There was no anything different for me. I believed the lie that my life was, my existence was to be used and abused by men. And I heard that in my head all the time. And, you know, um, I know that at one point I did become demonically possessed and um, there was people after me to kill me for some reason and I would, like, have to fight them off. And I found myself in so many different crazy crazy like life and death situations and I know now that the Lord delivered me from them all I was never scared of death I was never scared when I was facing the scenarios that I was faced with while I was living in the streets and stuff like you know guys would be coming charging towards me and I would charge back you know like you better keep walking that way like and like don't come for me I will come for you like (laughs) but I was so tired at one point like and this was back in 2015. I just, I had sat down on this staircase and um, and I just remember thinking to myself like of all this stuff because since Gloria had told me there was like, it was like a whole year of just like one thing after another since she told me to be careful, watch my back. And a whole year of being exposed to the spirit realm and not knowing it, be, literally living out through spiritual warfare and not knowing it, but I was able to see it. Eventually I was just like so like flushed. I know it sounds like some crazy voodoo, like I wasn't involved in anything like that, you know? It was just the Lord showing me like, hey, you know, like this stuff is real and demons are real and, you know, and eventually I, I had an understanding like, okay, maybe either God is real where this whole government setup is, like, real, real, <laughs> like, they're real um, organized, you know? And at one point, I thought I was supposed to, like, work for the CIA. That's how smoke thought I was. But, like, no, <laughs> series, you never see Wanted. I was like, dang, because I knew my dad worked for the government. And I was, that always messed with me, too, because I'm like, why are we living like this? Like, we grew up with maggots in the sink and, like, you know, like, all this stuff, but you work for the government, like, who are you really, and what do you really do, you know, like, mm. like, you sketch, dog, like, you know, for oh. real, <laughs> and, um but yeah, it was either that, or, like, I was really considering, like, that God is real, because I start, like, I would be on the bus, and, like, there was this people, and they would give out, one guy was handing out letters to everybody on the bus and I was like what is that give me that you know all like aggressive because I'm like like what are you guys doing without me you know like where I you're trying to like you know you're trying to be involved in something right in front of me but without exclude you. yeah yeah like on purpose though like I know it was a setup it was intentional and then it was like a love letter written from God and I was like what the heck like
0: you're like do I want
1: this <laughs> yeah no like at this at this point and in time, because I was, like, you know, exposed to all this spiritual stuff, I was like, dang, like, you know, it it would hit me. Like, the Lord was making himself known to me. You know, he, his spirit was guiding me to him, you know. Because um, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, you know. And that Jesus says that, you know, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him near. You know, that's in John chapter 6, and it's just like, You know, I I had known, I had known, girl, I had known that my life was a setup when I was out there in those streets. I had known something, somebody set me up. Somebody planned my life from beginning to end. And and I was just, like, living through it. I sat down on the staircase one day, and I was just, like, so tired of, like, everything, everything i had been through. Because when you go through so much stuff, it's always processing through your head. You know, and then you and then you get high and it goes away for a little bit. And then you start processing again. And then you get high and then it goes away and then you process again. It's just like repeat, 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 but on a daily basis, all day, every day, except for the times where you go to like how the West was won, or, you know, like Von Dug's concerts or Club Blue or whatever for, you know, Warren's birthday or whatever, you know, like just stuff like that that kinda of really gets your mind off of stuff, but it's always there. You know, all this stuff is always there. And um, I sat down on the staircase that I would always sit down on, and on Larson Street, because my girl Patrice, she found out that I was like in the situation I was in. She was like, "Why didn't you tell me?" She was like, "You can stay in my grandpa's room or my grandpa's apartment, and you know, because I have a room there." She was living with her boyfriend, so she let me stay there. And but I always felt very uncomfortable being there, because. I don't know. Her grandpa like worked for the same company my dad worked for. So I was really tripping, you know, <laughs> girl. <laughs> but, You're like, what is the coincidence of this? Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And so I would be scared, kind of like, you know, I had all the kn- I would take all the knives and I slept with them. And like, at this point, I was like really like, you know, on one, you know, and um, but I was like so tired of like having to be having to live like that, you know for so long, like, um, so the staircase I had sat down on many times to just smoke my cigarettes, and it was like a, it was almost like a safe haven for me, like, just a staircase, and I would think to myself, like, I'm not scared to die, but I'm not ready yet either, and I would think that to myself a lot, you know, and um, because I felt like somebody was after me, I would tell them like all these people that would come up to me. I would tell them like, "Where's your boss? You know, tell him if he's got a problem with me, he could take it up with me himself." Like, look at you, and you're not even doing your job. What? Like, you haven't done what you're what you came here to do. I thought they were supposed to kill me, you know, and um, so I would like talk to this boss who I thought could hear me from wherever. I said, "Use me. You know, I'm good for it. Use me. Tired of living like this and blah blah blah. Use me. Like, what's up? Like, let's do this. Like." You know, and I was like ready to to put my skills to good work. You know, like like I'm 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 whatever I need to be at this point. You know, like uh, might as well get paid for it, get off these streets, and you know, be a part of whatever facility they had going on. You know, and I didn't realize at the time I was talking to God. You know, and I tripped out when the first time I ever came across. Isaiah chapter 6, it's completely different context because Isaiah was actually a man of God, you know, and I was just a complete sinner, full of sin, but filthy it woman. Yeah, I did when I came across this passage because, you know, he had entered, like, this glory of God, and so one day on the staircase, um, I had hung my head down, and I remember I was smoking a cigarette, and I was like, 120 pounds, you know, and, like, just, like, all sucked up, tired, 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 nowhere to go, nowhere to rest and stuff, and, um, and out of nowhere, I just remember with the voice in my head, like, I give up, you know, as I held my head down, and I, I didn't have the energy to speak it, you know, this is what trips me out about the grace of God, is that, like, if I were to die in the, in the, in the moment that I was in, full of sin, and just, like, filthiness and just rage and anger like I know for a fact right now it would have been about seven years that I'd be burning in hell for all of eternity but for whatever his purpose is and I praise him that he decided to use me for his glory instead instead of judge me for all of eternity in my sins he gave me that chance to believe you know circumstances hadn't really changed much but um but I started to realize like well like god is real and then i kept encountering these situations and these scenarios where i was like oh that's you're an actual demon like this person is an actual demon or the demons inside this person or you know seeing this and that and at one point i had like this whole like circumference of power protecting me um from anything that was coming my way and and then i remember going to my grandma's house and she let me get her Bible, you know, so I would go in the bathroom, I would get high on meth, and I'd grab my weed and my cigarettes, and then I'd grab her Bible, and I would sit right, sit right outside on Main Street, where I grew up in Westminster, and um, I would just open it, and it's like the, the words on the page just became so alive to me, and they just spoke to me, and they were filling me, like food, like nutrients, like Stuff that I had never heard before, stuff that I had never seen before, stuff that I had never been open to before. You know, where it wasn't just somebody sharing the gospel with me, it wasn't just sh- somebody sharing a church service with me or a scripture with me. It was God Himself who was showing me, like, hey, I'm real, and these words on this page, they, they, they describe who I am because I want them to. They, they speak to you because I want them to. And this is why I had my word written for you. Because there was times, you know, I believed that, oh, why would I believe what the Bible says? Because it was <laughs> written by, by man. man. Yeah, you know. I saw a funny thing, too, on, on Instagram the other day. It was, like, this lady's like, so this is supposed to be written by a giraffe from Noah's Ark? Like, she's like, you read a you read a recipe from a book made by man and you still make that, you know? like. And it's just, like, so real, you know? And I don't know, but... Yeah, ever since then, I, I've i been on this journey since 2015. I've been on a journey to it's pretty much just know, get to know who this God is, you know. And he's shown himself more and more to me. And, um, you know, like I said before, there's nothing that I, I, I would have never known that there was a different way of life. And I was always that girl who thought, cool, good for them, but no, it was never going to be me. The amount of disbelief I had in that statement that there was ever going to be hope for me was so, like, to my core. Like, there was, like, you know, it was just like a walking numb girl. Like, I didn't feel anything, you know. But then, I don't know, God took my heart of stone and made it a heart of flesh, and he's written his words on it. And now I, I study the scriptures that I might be equipped and prepared to, to really be able to handle whatever comes at me in life. You know, and I know, and I'm thankful for what happened to me between me and him, because I know that no matter what anybody else tells me I need to do, I get to I have a relationship with God where, yes, there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors, but always be careful to make sure that you're walking in obedience to what he says to to you, you know, not just um what everyone else is always on' cause, You know, it's just, it's just important to stay sensitive to his spirit through the truth of his word, you know, by the power of Christ Jesus who gave his life for us. And I would not be here today if it wasn't for what Jesus did. And, um, now my main, main, main goal in life is to know God and to make him known and like share the truth of what, what this life is really all about. Like, yeah, I went through what I went through and my life was what it was, but everybody has a story. You know, and it's all done for his glory. And and, and um, I think my biggest burden, but it's like a blessing of a burden, is to to meet people where they are. Like Jesus met me where I was and, and to give them the truth that they need so that they could be free from sin, the powers of darkness, and have eternal life, which is our only hope in this world. But no,
0: that's so good because you really have to... You have to be open to meeting where people where they are because oh, yeah. if you're not, it's not going to be translated or even perceived in the way that you no. intend to if yeah. you're not even able to meet them where they are. Yeah. I know there's so much to your story I <laughs> we Sorry. can even know that we can even do like another episode because I even wanted to dig into talking about your business, but we oh. can talk about it at a different time. Oh,
1: I should have brought you a candle. Uh, it's okay. Look at this should. one going out, girl. You need another, you need another candle. <laughs> <laughs> Before we close, what's the name of
0: your business and how can people find it?
1: And oh, Soothing the Saints. Okay. Um. Yeah. Just because I want it to be soothing, soothing the saints. I got from Bible College, pretty much. But um, you can order from soothingthesaints.co. You can hit me up on soothing the saints on my Instagram. Um, and order that way too, if you don't want to go through the website and pay for shipping, because I'm a local hustler and I deliver locally. So yeah. I know that sounds out of the blue, but I'm always excited for
0: people to share about their business and what yeah. they're doing. So with that being said, guys, be sure to look her up, buy her candles, and that's a wrap.